Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I, I tend to push back um, for a, a number of reasons on the whole idea of having to keep moving forward and casting vision and all of those high energy administrative management kinds of things. We're in a culture where productivity dominates. And um, that's not how I see life in Jesus nor life in the church. Roy Yonke is Pastor Paul's guest today, a former pastor and as you just heard, has experienced brokenness and restoration and now is executive director of an organization that works with pastors that also need restoration and healing. Welcome to the program, Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, welcome to Life Support. It's so great to have you with us. Life Support is uh, an effort to talk about some of the hard things in life. And in doing so, we discover more of Jesus Christ because there's just something about darkness in life. Jesus just emerges from it, teaches us about his mercy and grace. And that's what we like to talk about on Life Support. We've got a very special guest with us. And his name is Roy Yankee, and he is in the pastor restoration business at PIR Ministries. Roy, thanks a lot for being here. Appreciate it so much. Well, thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on. All right, again now, so what? give me the meaning. What is PIR? What does this stand for? Yeah, PIR stands for Pastor in Residence. Uh, that's our official name, but we shortened it into the acronym because that gets a little tough to keep telling people. Um, and uh, we are a ministry of renewal and restoration for pastors. So we've been around for 25 uh, plus years, and uh, the Pastor in Residence program, which the name of the ministry was founded around, is the core process that we uh, do for pastors who have been exited. And uh, that's a a really unique niche in the church, uh, which empowers a local church to come alongside a hurting family, pastoral family. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. And you shared some of your story last time about um, how um, you were struggling with some things and you ended up not being in ministry anymore. And um, and now you're helping others who are in that that same situation. Um, We talked a lot about isolation last time we had you and how pastors find themselves um, keeping things inside, feeling like no one understands no one to talk to. Um, what damage can it do when a pastor shuts down? When a pastor decides that uh, no, you know, either either it's that kind of nobody cares, or it's uh, I don't feel safe. Whatever the reason, what what are the dangers that lie out there? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly the internal damage to to their own soul uh, is where it begins. Uh, and it could certainly uh, end up in a, a clear dis- disconnect from God himself. And so that ministry then just becomes another job, another thing you're doing. And, and that just leads to, to really bad things, uh, burnout, certainly. Uh, and certainly, uh, depending on the person's self-awareness and their own understanding of the, the mechanisms that can take them off the rails, 
uh, it can lead to uh, moral compromise and, and all the rest. And that's catastrophic the, for, for a pastor or ministry leader. And we've seen this over and over again, especially in recent years. Uh, when, when that happens, the impact on uh, congregation, on how culture sees the church and Christianity is huge. So uh, it can't be underestimated that without, without making this uh, an untenable kind of position, you know, gosh, no one would want to do this because of that. It does talk about the seriousness of paying attention to your own soul and to uh, your your growth in Christ as a disciple is really important. Yeah, I always am aware in my own life of being right on the edge, you know, and um, I'm just so thankful for God's grace and mercy that has so far kept me from falling over the edge, but I know how close I am. Um, and I'm thankful for mentors. How important is mentoring, Roy, and keeping a pastor mentally physically and spiritually healthy. Huge. Uh, it's one of the, the five key relationships that those in ministry need to have. And uh, having those who have gone before uh, have uh, weathered those storms maybe and, and uh, understand how to create good strategies to negotiate them. It's really important, uh, especially for those who are young in ministry. But those of us who've been on down the road a while too still need those who've gone before. Uh, because there's always a new challenge along the way. So yeah. it's huge. Um, okay, I'm going to contradict myself now, which I'm I'm very good at that, all right? So on one hand, I really enjoy church governance. Um, I think it's important. I'm kind of a governance geek. I like sitting on boards. I like the organizational part of a church. On the other hand, there are many times I wake up in the morning and think, you know, I'm not really a pastor. I'm a I'm a CEO of an organization. What happened to pastoring? And I, I've got some friends, you know, in, in churches where they basically, they preach and they go visit hospitals. And, and I think I look at them and go like, now, now those are real pastors. Um, do other pastors feel this way too, that they're caught up in this organizational thing and there's so much of that that they, they lose kind of what their calling really is? Oh, that's just a dangerous subject for me, Paul, <laughs> because uh, that's that's a real deal for pastors. So many, um, and I will say this, there's a lot to be said for good organization and systems, but we have tapped into that so heavily in the church and the business model has dominated for a lot of years that pastors do feel like all they are is a CEO or a manager, more, more than even a CEO. They're a manager of the organization. And so the pastoral pieces, those true shepherding pieces get left alongside, you know, that they, they kind of fit in wherever I can because I'm dealing with all of those administrative details. So there are many, many pastors who deal with that and feel that tension. Yeah, and even when you're good at delegating and, and you're not doing, you know, all of the detail work, there's all that pressure of, you know, moving the ministry forward, um, casting vision, trying to always lay out where the church is headed next, because we all know that if you, the moment you take your foot off the gas, the church begins to kind of crush in on itself because you just have to keep moving forward, forward, forward. But that's exhausting. And not really what we're trained for, because they don't talk a lot about that in seminaries. At least, I think they're getting better. But um, that whole thing of, you know, 
I can't tell you how many people have said to me, man, you, 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 you got to cast vision, which is fine, except I also want to pastor people. And that's a dilemma, isn't it? It truly is. And uh, I, I tend to push back um, for a, a number of reasons on the whole idea of having to keep moving forward and casting vision and all of those high energy administrative management kinds of things. Uh, we, we're in a culture where productivity dominates. And um, that's not how I see life in Jesus nor life in the church. Um, it's much more organic and um, ordinary. You know, we, we live in a culture where extraordinary is the name of the game. Mm -hmm. And if you're not being extraordinary, the guy down the street is. And so all your people are going to go there. Um, but the, the call, I think, that Jesus gives on us, even as pastors and ministry leaders and to the church, is to embrace and live in the usual and the customary, which is what the word ordinary means. And that um, you, you can't always be trying to push the pedal to the metal. It's, it's, it's going to exhaust you. It will exhaust your people. And so you, you, we've got to step back from that, I think, and examine it. Again, nothing wrong with systems and organizational things and, and having a vision. But um, the idea that you've got to keep pushing it forward, I'm not so sure um, what that yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like what you're saying, and I know that there's a lot of truth in what you're saying because uh, we, you know, the church is not like an organization in the sense that it's a living, breathing organism, and, and we all have a part in that because we're all part of the body of Christ. Um, but I think boards don't always buy into that philosophy, and it's interesting because sometimes I'll read, you know, all of us. In ministry, we read kind of the same guys, the same blogs, the same books, and, you know, we're kind of in this group think. And many times I'm reading something, and I'm going, yeah, I get that, but I wish somebody would talk to boards, because that's where a lot of that pressure comes from. So how can a board member that's listening right now, how can, how can they minister to the pastor? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that it's a... Uh a dynamic, a conversation that needs to continually happen between pastors and board members and, and congregants in the church to talk about these things, to have the conversations that can lead to a culture of ministry health. We have a workshop that we do uh, for uh, denominations or church groups or whatever, individual churches, where it's called cultivating a culture of ministry health. And it's, the, it's meant to be the catalyst for those kinds of conversations where pastors can help board members and board members can, can push back if they need to on some of the systems things. But in that conversation, you begin to, to reach a place of consensus about what ministry health and the culture of the church needs to look like in order for it to fulfill the, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, while at the same time not getting trapped in the productivity metrics that we're so dominated by. Yeah, and that's where COVID, I think, we were talking about COVID before, and that's what, that, that's what I think really throws us, because we're so, so accustomed, good or bad, to, we've got metrics of how our church is doing, what's healthy, what's not healthy. Now, we, those metrics are gone. Like, I don't even know where 30% of my congregation is right now, to be honest. I, it's not that I've given up on them, I just don't know what's happening. 
And so I've had to redo all these different growth metrics and kind of come up with new ways of deciding if the church is healthy. Uh, how do how, do you see other pastors kind of like reordering their whole perspective of what a healthy church is? Some. Uh, some are uh, in the same boat as, as many of the rest of us. We just wanted to get back to normal, whatever that was before. So um, we have we have tried to cast COVID in this regard as the great disruption. So it's not that we just had to get through it so we could be what we were before, but that it gives us that opportunity to rethink and take things in a different trajectory. And some pastors have really grabbed a hold of that because those metrics are no longer valid yeah. uh, that we all depended on. Uh, so how do we measure health in a congregation now it takes on a whole new conversation. Yeah. And before, you know, I would pull out an Ed Stetzer growth chart or something and and I'd go, you know, I'd show the board, you know, because let's face it, we, we, we do want to please our boards, not just because they're our bosses, but we want them to be happy and so you'd say, hey, look, we're growing 8%. Look what Ed Stetzer says. He says, this is really good. So let's be, let's be, let's be happy. Well, you know, most of us have lost 25% or 30% in the past two years. And meanwhile, your board members are kind of going like, well, where, where are all my friends? Because they're not reading the same stuff that I am. And so it is, it is something about, there is, a, there is an art form of, of bringing your board along and, and becoming a collaborative group and that takes skill and it takes time and it takes patience um i've gone to do church consults where i've gone into boardrooms with pastors that have asked me to come and the pastor has something on his heart that he's just burning to do that he's prayed about and he's you know it might be church planting it might be something like adding another service or whatever and the board members are just totally unresponsive and you can just see the pastor just being crushed right in front of my eyes. So how, I guess this is a two-part question. How does a pastor deal with a dysfunctional governance situation? Because there are those. Uh, I call them churches that like to eat pastors up, you know. And conversely, how do the leaders of a church help a pastor realize some of those dreams without compromising the church? Sure. Well, that's a, that's a really important question, two-part question. Um, and I'm not sure that there's a, a cookie-cutter approach to that because every situation is unique. But if there's truly dysfunction uh, in, in a board, I think uh, going back to, um, uh, I think it's, it's Lencioni's uh, pyramid that he uses, um, the foundational piece of that is trust. Yeah. And that's the first step. And if, if that's not there, then that's where you have to live for a while before you take off and, and try to do things. You've got to build that trust and have those, the ability to have those hard conversations. And the other piece is to not be afraid of conflict. And that goes both ways. Sometimes we, see, we avoid conflict at all costs. And uh, that doesn't work. Um, it will, we'll never get to the truth if we do that. So you, we have to have trust and then be able to have those kinds of conversations where you work it out. Um, for board members to help pastors realize some of the things that, that they uh, envision for the church is to have that uh, a spirit of hospitality and, 
the way I, I understand that and the way I've understood it for a while now is that we make room for others and their ideas in our lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we have that sense of, okay, I'm going to listen well, and I'm going to give good feedback, but then I'm also going to be that advocate or champion for my pastor as well, because if this is something that the Lord has really put into their heart, then I don't want to run past that. More from Pastor Paul and Roy Yonke in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And we are excited to introduce a brand new video curriculum called Caring for Mental Health. This 10-part series is available at no cost and is designed to help you and others come alongside those who are struggling with mental health. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Pastor Paul. So you take, a, in a sense, it's kind of a, uh, you know, I'm not sure, but I trust my pastor enough to at least uh, help him. And then um, I think most pastors are open to feedback if something's not working. You know, you don't want to keep doing it. But I think it's just that constant. I like that a lot, what you said. Roy Yonke is our guest, and he helps pastors restore. And all right, now we're in the business of easy questions here. Um, and we don't have much time left, but here's, and for all of the people in my church listening, this is not about our church, not about our board, um, but how does a pastor know when it's time to leave a church? Hmm. Well, uh, I am a fan of long-term ministries, but um, there are times when it's important. Um, and, and again, that runs, there's a spectrum for that. Um, sometimes it's a matter where you definitely see that um, your influence, your ability to lead is, is not being received or it's compromised in some way. And uh, not, not talking about, you know, a moral or ethical mm-hmm. issue, but there just isn't that trust. And, and you've been there long enough to see that it's, it, you've taken it as far as you can take it. And so to move them out into a different role and doing that well, you know, having that transition happen well is really important. Um, the other piece of that is um, if, if burnout is occurring, if, if a pastor is not healthy themselves, then that may be a time to intentionally take a step back. Uh, a sabbatical is a, is a good piece of that. That can certainly help. But maybe it means just rethinking uh, the shape of the calling going forward. And so it means stepping out of that role for a while. Um, some pastors, there are seasons. And, uh, you know, church planters uh, aren't always the ones that can take a church forward past that planting role. So they need to understand their own giftedness and their own um, strengths and weaknesses and be able to do a good handoff in that kind of situation. I think that's really important. And that's where mentorship comes in again. Um, You know, before I've taken a, a job in a church, I've gone to mentors and said, does this church match my gifts? And I'm, I'm, you know, if they were to look at me and say, not really, then I would walk away really fast because I don't always understand myself as well as other people do, you know. And not everybody's meant for every kind of church. We all have our different callings. God, I think, has given me the, um, you know, the, the, the ability to help revitalize churches, but that may not mean b- 
being at a church for 20 years. It may. Um, why is long-term ministry intriguing to you, and, and what are the advantages of long-term ministry? Uh, I think that uh, the whole relational piece is huge for me, that you build those relationships, that you, you are uh, pastoring over generations and being able to speak into the lives of people over the long haul. You see the births, you see the sicknesses, you see the deaths, you see all of those things. And um, I think that we, so statistically, most pastoral ministries that, that we understand last five to seven years at any point. Um, you're just beginning to build that trust. You're just beginning to see the fruit of investing in people's lives and, and being a pastor to them. And then all of a sudden a new pastor comes in. So it's just the idea that for continuity mm-hmm. of what God wants to do in that situation, a long-term ministry, in my mind, certainly seems like an important thing. Yeah, that's that's very, very good. And And do you see pastors staying in the pulpit longer and I'm talking about age now than maybe before, um, because we know that there's not enough pastors. Um, culture as a whole um, seems to be okay with that. Is there a time when a pastor can continue to go past 65, 66, 68 years old and still be an effective minister? I think so. It just depends on the culture that's, that they've built around that, the culture of the mm-hmm. church. Um, I think that all of us need to be self-aware enough to know when our capacities are diminishing or when it, it, our energy is no longer there and somebody else needs to step into that. But I don't, um, I'm 68. <laughs> so I'm still, uh, you know, I feel my 68 years, but at the same time, um, I know that I'm not finished yet. Uh, yeah. And I think that's important for every pastor to pay attention to is um, certainly the, the wealth of experience that a pastor has when they're 65, 70 years old uh, can't be diminished. That That's important. for a and, and just don't wear skinny jeans when you're preaching. And, and, and this is, you know, an encouragement. I think that you and I would agree with this, that if you have young if you're willing to hire young staff members that can keep that energy going and you're developing them and and there's an excitement around it, what young families are not looking for the young, cool pastor necessarily. They're looking for someone they can trust and, they, and, and someone that they know cares about them. And I think when those things are in place, age can kind of disappear. If you're, if you have the energy. Now I look, I look at you and I would have never thought that. And, and, you know, I would, I would say you're you you you're doing great, and but then there are other people I look at that are a little bit you know older, and they look like oh no you yeah you it's time now you know time to go golfing, um, but make sure you're witnessing while you're golfing because we don't want to. All right, Roy, how do we get a hold of your organization? Because I love what you're doing, and um, it's important what you're doing, especially in this culture right now, right now in this spot that we are. How can someone get in touch with you that either? Has a pastor that might be hurting? Maybe the pastor is saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. The wife is saying, oh, no. How do we get a hold of you? Sure. I, and please, uh, if you're listening, do reach out to us if any of those things are going on. Uh, we are uh, thinking partners, and we uh, our, our culture is one of building relationships. So we're not going to impose a program or a tool on you until we've had a long time to walk together. So they can get a hold of us on the internet. Uh, we have a website, pirministries.org. 
and there's a contact sheet in that uh, website. They can get in touch with us that way, and we will respond right away. Uh, they can uh, see us on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, we have a presence there. Uh, and certainly, if someone really wants uh, an immediate response, they can email me directly at Roy at PIRministries.org. Well, God bless you, my friend. You're doing a really, really important work. And I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for your openness. And it's been great to have you. Thanks for dropping by. Oh, Paul, it's been great. Thank you for the invitation. That's Roy Yankee. And uh, again, get in touch with him if you have any of these inklings that you need to. Don't be afraid. Um, And speaking of fear, this is probably one of my favorite verses in Scripture, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And, you know, this goes so far past pastoring. We're in a scary time right now. Uh, You know, the word nuclear war is being talked about. We're watching people in Ukraine uh, really, really struggle. And it's easy to lose sight of who is on the throne. So just remember that you don't have to live in fear. God will strengthen you. He is still in control every day. I want to thank you for listening to Life Support. I'm so thankful for our partners. Faith Radio at MyFaithRadio.com have been so kind. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at MyRWC.org. Thanks for dropping by. We'll see you next time on Life Support. listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support